Welcome to Accelerating Government with ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. Now your host, Dave Winogren. Welcome to the show that brings together government and industry leaders to accelerate government mission outcomes. On today's episode, we're going to turn the microphone inward and talk to some of the outstanding professional staff leaders at ACT-IAC as we chat a little about the ongoing work of the organization, how people can get engaged, and also reflect on ACT-IAC's 45th anniversary, which we celebrate this year. The American Council for Technology and Industry Advisory Council, or ACT-IAC, is a 501c3 nonprofit educational organization established to improve government through the effective and innovative application of technology. 45 years ago in 1979, Government leaders had the vision and foresight to recognize the ever-increasing role that technology would play across government. A group of government-led regional technology councils banded together to form the Federation of Government Information Processing Councils, or FIGIPSI. And with the encouragement of the Office of Management and Budget and the General Services Administration, provided a forum where federal, state, and local government employees could communicate and collaborate. FIGIPSI was later renamed the American Council for Technology, and to this day, those thousands of government volunteers form the core of ACT-IAC's work. Joining me for the first segment of the show is Keisha Powell, the Events and Marketing Executive at ACT-IAC. Keisha, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. Happy to be here. Let's start off by having you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your background and experience and your current leadership position at ACT-IAC. Sure. So as you mentioned, I'm the events and marketing executive at ACT-IAC. I just celebrated a 10-year anniversary last September, so I am happy to continue doing the good work of ACT-IAC. Um, I've been in the events industry for 27 years now uh, in the nonprofit sector. My last position was with the University of Maryland, which is my alma mater, Go Terps. Um, That's right. You're a Terp too. I plan events large and small. My last event at Maryland was uh, 16,000 people over four days. And I got to meet Bishop Desmond Tutu and Vice President Al Gore and Colin Powell. But all of the events that I've planned have been fun. uh, But the ones that I've done at ACT-IAC have been the most fulfilling, I think. Even though I've met... I've met some pretty cool people. <laughs> I was going to say, you put a pretty high bar up there with the name, August names you mentioned in act but we appreciate your enthusiasm and energy, which is one of the things I love about you. There's a lot going on at act and I thought it would be helpful to share some insights with the audience. Tell sure. us a little bit about act events in the calendar and the types of offerings over the course of the year that we have. Sure, we do lots of things. So we have forums, we've got summits, uh, there are federal insight exchanges and small business alliance events, uh, as well as our communities of interest put out events. We have planned 14 forums, events, and major conferences this year. Our major conferences are the Emerging in Tech Conference. It's happening in May of this year. And then the largest would be Imagination ELC happening in, in October this year. Last year, we surpassed all goals for Imagination ELC and had the largest crowd, and we're hoping to do that. Again, I'm going to do a shameless plug. We do have a special going on right now for ELC, (laughs) and if you register before March 31st using the code WINTER in all caps, you get $75 off of your registration. 
Awesome. We love crass commercial messages. And later on in the show, we'll <laughs> tell everyone that's listening how to find the way to register for that event and other events through the ACT NIAC website or the Federal News Network website. So as you mentioned, our flagship conference is Imagination ELC. We've been putting that show on for a number of years. It takes yeah. place on October 27th through the 29th in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Tell us a little bit more about planning for that event and what sort of content and experience people can expect. Sure. So Imagination ELC is a great conference. If, if you want to get engaged at act and you want to start off being able to get into a room and roll up your sleeves and create something phenomenal, signing up for volunteering with uh, Imagination ELC is a great way to do it. The call for volunteers will be open in the next couple of weeks. I think we've decided to open sort of mid-February, uh, and that'll be open for four weeks. So ELC is, and that's the acronym that we use to describe Imagination ELC. It has so many different facets of uh, places where you can get involved. You can be part of outreach. You can be part of content creation. And we have a wonderful government leader that's joining us again this year. Danielle Metz is going to be the government chair. We hope to be able to announce the industry chair later this week. And uh, that's pretty much ELC in a nutshell. It's a great event. I can say, you know, from my long years of being in government and then in industry and, and being an attendee and now for the last several years, being able to help host the event. It is a wonderful event. It starts off with a lot of networking activities on Sunday, keynote Sunday night. It runs through Tuesday morning. You, the breakout sessions, there are just so many things that you can participate in. You can, you know, you can network with friends. You can get together with experts on the topic that you care about, that you're digging deeply at the track session. You can hear from senior government leaders and industry leaders in the plenary sessions. And so there's a, there's a lot to be done there. As, as we started the interview, you mentioned 10 years. Congratulations, 10 years of outstanding service at ACT-IAC. As both we celebrate our 45th anniversary and as you reflect back on your 10 years, what do you think makes ACT-IAC such a special place? I think the people, honestly, uh, the way that we've built a trusted community for people to connect, network, and just cultivate great ideas. Uh, so I think that would be why we're so special. Do you have some fond memories, a couple of anecdotes that you might like to share from your time here? I do, honestly, and everybody's talks about 2020 all the time and how it impacted their lives. And it was a difficult year. However, to be able to see firsthand the innovations and the continuity of work in, in those uncertain times was inspiring. And I'm so glad to have been, you know, part of ACT-IAC and the teams that worked with federal agencies just to try to make sure that that impact didn't negatively affect the American public. So I think that would be a great memory that I have. Um, also, the work that we have done just to build the conferences that we have and make sure that we are bringing the topics that impact the community to the forefront. I, I agree with you. I think, you know, the pandemic for us and for all of our volunteers just demonstrated the fabulous resiliency that people had as they pivoted mm -hmm. on a dime from, from an organization that the vast majority of all of its contact was face-to-face to all of its contact having to be virtual. And then the bringing ourselves back from a virtual only world to the hybrid world that was very awkward for a while. And now yes. return to lots of in-person events where people, I think there's a great hunger to be back out and, and engaged in learning about what's going on in person with your teammates. As we look forward, what's something you're excited about about the future of ACT-IA? 
so many things to look forward to and new opportunities to engage and increase everyone's personal and professional experiences. I am really excited about what we're doing to celebrate our 45th anniversary and the events that we're bringing, the networking events that we're going to be doing. I'm excited about Act Act Gives Back and the volunteer opportunities that everybody will have an opportunity to, to be able to be a part of. And honestly, just watching the organization grow. I love ACT-IAC, um, and that's not a little cliche. I really do enjoy the work that we do. So that's what I'm excited about. One of your other responsibilities is looking after marketing for ACT-IAC. Yes. Um, you know, it's so important to stay connected. Maybe say a few words about marketing and, and helping to meet people where they are, however they want to consume information. Absolutely. So if you do not have access to our daily news flash, if you go to our website, www.actiac or actiac.org, at the top of the website, there's a subscribe button. Sign up for the news flash. You'll get all the information that you need on a daily basis. Of course, listening to the radio show will give you insight on uh, the things that we are doing and, and what's happening in the community. We have a fabulous podcast that goes out that gets produced by our media production manager on a weekly basis. We have some episodes that he does uh, that are in case you missed it episodes, but lots are brand new content talking about the topics that are being talked around uh, water coolers for those of every, everyone that is back in the office now. So those are some ways to get engaged on the marketing side. Yeah, there's no shortage of ways to plug in. And uh, and and so I encourage everyone who's listening to the show, find the way that works best for you, virtual, in-person, but come be a part of the adventures that lie ahead as we both celebrate our 45th anniversary and look forward to 50 years of, of helping support the federal government market. Keisha Powell, thank you so much for being on the show and for your leadership and act IAC. We're going to take a short break, and when we return, we'll continue our overview of some of the ongoing work of ACT-IAC and a celebration of ACT-IAC's 45th anniversary. I'm Dave Wintergren, and you're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Accelerating Government with ACT-IAC. I'm Dave Wintergren, and on today's episode, we're talking with some of the outstanding professional staff leaders at ACT-IAC about the ongoing work of the organization and also reflecting on ACT-IAC's 45th anniversary this year. For 45 years, the American Council for Technology has brought together government and industry leaders to collaborate on improving mission outcomes, sharing best practices, and building relationships that last a lifetime. 35 years ago, insightful industry leaders added their thought leadership through the formation of the Industry Advisory Council to help forge the ACT-IAC alliance that continues to provide a unique and special place for government and industry to work together to address the top issues facing government. ACT-IAC counts almost 500 member companies that include small businesses, mid-tier companies, and the large, most well-known technology and services companies in the federal technology market. Through the thousands of volunteers from these member companies, there is a huge thought leadership capacity and best practices from the commercial world that can be applied to government's most pressing challenges. Joining us for this segment of the show is Carol Miller, the Chief Corporate Revenue Officer at ACT-IAC. Carol, welcome to the show. Boy, thank you so much. I am so delighted to be here. And I'm delighted to have you. Let's start off for you like we did with Keisha. Tell us a little bit, introduce yourself. Tell us about your background in industry and your current leadership position at ACT-IAC. 
Well, I've, I've worked uh, many, many years in the industry segment and have worked also supporting ACT and IAC for probably about 20 years. The last eight years, I have worked for ACT and IAC as an employee and I'm so delighted to be here. We bring a lot of different things uh, to the equation. I oversee sponsorship. I oversee membership and membership renewal. And I actually work on a lot of the planning for our forums and summits uh, in conjunction uh, with Keisha and her team. In addition to the thousands of active government volunteers we count as members, we're delighted to also have thousands of volunteers from our 500 member companies. When you meet with prospective and new members, what are some of the value propositions of membership that you share with them? Oh, there's so many. The companies are just really excited to know that everything that we do involves both government and industry together, from the planning phases to the actual events, to our communities of interest, our Institute for Innovation, our leadership development, which will be discussed a little later. And that piece of it, engaging uh, with government and industry together, brings together some great ideas, information sharing, and thought processes that are above and beyond a typical call that industry would make on government. There, there are so many ways to engage in the work of ACT, IAC, and as you, let's say, chat with new members this year, what are some of the topics and opportunities that you highlight to them to get engaged on? Well, first of all, we kind of look at their background as a company to see what their core capabilities are and make sure that we're tying them in and engaging them in the right activities within ACT-IAC. As you know, we have so many diversified activities from focus groups to special projects to communities of interest to uh, forms and programs. We want to make sure that they're engaged in the right activity to start with, and then they can expand their horizons into the many other activities that we provide to our member firms. So that's what we initially do. We like to get them engaged in the planning of events because that way they can help direct kind of the topics and the sessions Uh, We always have a strategy meeting that we involve them in beginning so that they can give us ideas on typical topics that are relevant to government and industry, as well as to hear, you know, who they think would be a great keynote or potential panelist, et cetera. And then from that are able to develop a very thorough, detailed agenda going forth. So that's kind of some of the ways we work. Yeah, you made a couple of really great points. You know, one of the things, there's so many associations in town, but one of the things that makes ACT-IAC fairly unique is the great number of government leaders that work hand in hand with the industry leaders. And and every project that you talked about, every working group, every event planning committee is always co-chaired and co-led by government. So we like to talk about how government comes to us with the issues and topics that matter most to them. And then we rally other government leaders and industry leaders to work together to help help bring those issues to the table, have conversations about them, work on white papers for them. And and so people can get engaged both in functionally aligned conversations, organizationally aligned conversations on a, on a wide range of the top topics that face government today. You, you mentioned that you do the planning work for a number of our events. Do you want to just talk about maybe a, a few of the opening events of the year? 
Oh, I would love to. First of all, uh, Wednesday, we're, we're going to have our AI acquisition forum, which is a new forum that's been derived by both our government and industry uh, members. Coming up in February, we have our yearly Digital Transformation Summit, which uh, is on February 22nd. Do want to have people join it. We get a large attendance of both government and industry. In April, we have our, excuse me, in March, we have our Shared Services Summit that we do in conjunction with the Shared Services Leadership Coalition. That's on March 21st. And of course, we have our Climate Summit, which is new to us, which is a very engaging topic coming up on April 17th. And as Keisha mentioned, one of our big major conferences is coming up in May 19th through the 21st, the Emerging Technology and Innovation Conference, uh, followed by one more I'll mention, which is Health Innovation Summit, which we have every year and do that in conjunction with the Hims National Capital Area and Hims National. Thank you. You've been with the organization for a while. As you said, you know, 20 years as a volunteer and, and, and then on the professional staff. And I first met you when you were an outstanding volunteer leader for the organization. As we celebrate our 45th anniversary over that time, what makes ACTAG such a special place to you? It's special because it is a unique place to really have more collaboration between government and industry. And I just really like the fact how ACT and IAC uh, readily adapts to the changes that are occurring within government and the regulations and, you know, kind of the focuses. And we expand our horizons on the things that we do. We have roundtables. We have focus groups. We have all new things happening within the Institute, as Jim will talk about later on. It is just a very uh, fluid and expanding organization that is interesting to both government, industry, and academia, too. Do you have a fond memory or two of your time with ACTIAG that you'd like to share? I do, actually. We've had some interesting things, not only at conferences where we've done some very innovative and unique things like our techno interactive sessions that we've had. We've had fun fairs that we've had with the with the both government and industry. We've had brainstorming sessions that we've done. Everything we do, it seems like we try and create something new and novel that industry and government is interested in participating with us. I think you've been hugely successful at that. As Keisha mentioned earlier, our our, our events have never been bigger. And uh, we have the most people ever at our at our Imagination ELC conference, at our Customer Experience Summit. And so the, the new ideas are definitely drawing in a, a new group of people. And, that, and that's awesome. One of the things I want to chat with you about for just a moment before we run out of time is another area that you look after, and that's the Small Business Alliance. Do you want to maybe talk a few words about the Small Business Alliance and the value of that for our small business members? With having so many of our members being small businesses, we wanted to make sure that we're looking out for them. And so what we've really done is activated our Small Business Alliance, and we encourage small business firms to join us in the planning. We have around four events a year, uh, plus we're also doing something very unique uh, with GSA and having several events with them throughout the year. And it is a great way to get programs that are 
to the topics that small businesses really need to understand and to help them grow and flourish uh, within their own organizations. So uh, anybody interested in joining, just give us a call and we'll add you to the planning. Absolutely. We've got about a minute or so left. As you as you look forward, maybe is there something you're excited about moving into the future for ACTIAC or maybe some parting advice you'd like to offer the audience about getting engaged? I do. First of all, I would like to expand our collaboration with other groups and associations. I think that broadens what we provide as a group uh, to everybody. I'd like to get more and more companies involved in our engagement uh, with planning for events uh, so that we can make them bigger and better and more unique than we even have had in the past. And I'd like to engage more new companies so that they feel like they're part and parcel of what we do here at ACT and IAC. So I guess that's the biggest thing I would like to move forward with and to attend our events and come in and help us plan things and be really actively engaged. Excellent. Carol Miller, thank you so much for being on the show and thank you so much for all that you do for ACT IAC. We're going to take a short break, and when we return, we'll continue our conversation on the work of ACT-IAC and our celebration of ACT-IAC's 45th anniversary. I'm Dave Wenergren, and you're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Accelerating Government with ACT-IAC. I'm Dave Wenergren, and on today's episode... We're talking with some of the outstanding professional staff leaders at ACT-IAC, and we're also reflecting on ACT-IAC's 45th anniversary this year. ACT-IAC achieves its mission through a variety of activities, providing an objective, trusted, and ethical forum where government and industry can communicate, collaborate, innovate, and create solutions and insights that address the top challenges facing government, providing leadership opportunities ranging from entry-level employees to top-level executives in both government and industry through programs, projects, events, and thought leadership, providing high-quality education and training programs for government and industry to learn together and from each other, and keeping a laser-like focus on being outcome-oriented and mission-focused to create an even more effective and innovative government. There are so many ways to engage in the work of ACT-IAC. Through our functionally aligned communities of interest, focus on topics from emerging tech to cybersecurity, our agency-based federal insight exchanges, our small business alliance, our institute for innovation, meetings, events, and conferences throughout the year, and most germane to this segment of the show, our world-class professional development programs. Joining me for this segment is Leslie Berry, the Director of Professional Development at ACT-IAC and a longtime industry volunteer for ACT-IAC and a longtime leader at ACT-IAC. Leslie, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. It's great to be here. Let's start off by letting you introduce yourself to our audience. Tell us a little bit about your background in the industry and your longtime engagement with ACT-IAC and your current leadership position. Well, that could take a while. Um, I, <laughs> I've been in, was in the industry for quite a while, but I, I remember going to my first ACT-IAC event um, in 1997. It was the first ELC that I attended in Richmond. And I remember watching the partners, the first partners class graduate. And I said, I want to be a part of that. So I continued throughout the the next few years. I applied and I got into the 1998 class of the partners program. And I continued with ACT-IAC as a volunteer, leading some of the professional development classes 
as well as serving on the board of IAC in 2003 to 2005 or six, something like that. And finally, the opportunity arose that I, for the uh, director of professional development and I get to run all the professional development programs. And that was about four and a half years ago. And I've been here ever since. And I'm delighted that you have been as you're doing an excellent job with those professional development programs. And let's turn our attention to that now. So for those in our audience that aren't that familiar with ActiX professional development programs, why don't you go ahead and just give us an overview of the major programs that we do? Absolutely. As mentioned, you know, our first program, it was the partners program. And what's unique about this leadership development program is that it pairs one-to-one industry to government, and they go through a nine-month leadership development course with each other. Um, we generally have classes that are range from 32 to 40 uh, participants, and half are from industry and half are from government. It's also led by government and industry leaders, and it has been around for over 25 years. Back in 2005, when I was on the, the IAC board, we had a number of, I guess, mid, mid-range folks from government and industry asking how long they had to wait to join the partners program. And so we decided they shouldn't have to wait. So we created a companion program called the Voyagers program for those mid-tier executives. And so the Voyagers program graduated its first class in 2005. So those are the two unique classes that pair government and industry together for a leadership development program. In 2013, um, an associates program was added to get those early career individuals kind of acclimated to what this whole federal IT marketplace is, um, because a lot of people join and they, they're unfamiliar with whether it's the FAR, whether it's with networking, whether it's with being in this space. And then during the pandemic, having nothing else to do, we created a growth and leadership for women's program. And we had our first cohort in 2021. And last week, we just kicked off our seventh cohort. We run the Globe Professional uh, Development Program two times a year. It's a four-month program. Um, And then associated with all those, there are alumni groups. So both the partners and the Voyagers um, become members of the fellows community. And to date, we have over 1,250 people that have gone through both of those programs. Um, the associates also have a graduates associates program called GAP, and we have over 250 folks that have gone through that program. There is a is a great set of uh, programs and offerings that that can sort of like help develop your executive leadership skills today, but then also serve you throughout your career. I I hear so much positive feedback about the professional development programs that you and Sarah and the rest of the volunteer leaders run. And and I'll just say, you know, some of the feedback that you consistently get is that not only are you like learning the executive core qualification material that, that senior government people need to become members of the senior executive service, but you're learning to walk in each other's shoes. You're learning to have that understanding of what it's like to be on the other side, what it's like to be in industry if you're in government or vice versa. And, and of course, to your point about the power of the alumni groups, the fellows in the GAP program, is that you're building these relationships and then you're ascending to higher positions of leadership in the organization and you're maintaining these relationships for years to come. And, and that just creates a whole lot of magic. You started off the interview by talking a little bit about 
how long you've been involved with the organization. And so I'd like to ask you a couple of questions that let you reflect back on those adventures. First and foremost, since you keep coming back, you know, as a volunteer leader and now as a full-time staff member, what makes ACT-IAC a special place for you? I mean, I have to reiterate what Carol and, and Keisha said. I mean, it's the people. Um, you create a network of people that are trusted, that you can count on to give you real answers. I personally, what I like about the professional development programs, and you kind of mentioned this, is that over the years while I was working in industry, I can't tell you the number of times people would say to me, well, you were in government, weren't you? And I look at them and go, no. So then how do you know how they think? And I always go back to uh, my 1998 partners program where I had to walk in, in their shoes and I kind of understood where they were coming from. And it just basically created, you know, over 25 years of not really differentiating between government and industry, but having a bunch of people that are trying to do good government. It's a fabulous memory. And along those lines, do you have another memory or two that you'd like to share about your time? Oh, there's so many memories. You know, and this will go to, you know, one of the things I know you've talked to others about is how to get involved with that kayak. I remember one of my first few conferences, and I've been to every ELC since 1997, Bob Golis, who was the president of ACT or IAC at the time, he said, get involved, stay involved, volunteer. So I volunteered. I volunteered for the Management of Change Conference, Planning Committee, the ELC planning committee. I volunteered to run partners program for a couple of years. I volunteered to start the alumni group. I volunteered to serve on the um, executive committee. You know, just get involved and stay involved. Um, I like to tell people, another fond memory was we used to have the program committee, which is now called the FIE, the Federal Insights Exchange. And this is one of those hidden things that every single person in industry should belong to. We would get together every month in person and everyone involved in business development would get together and we would talk about um, putting together programs with the customers that we wanted to hear from. So you got this involvement from all the people that are interested in the agency that you're interested in. Plus you got to do good things for the entire community by putting together programs on government um, issues that are relevant to so many people. So those were fun memories getting together every month. I guess my favorite memory and what I'm most proud of is the creation of Voyagers. It was something that, that we heard from both industry and government on something that they wanted and ACT-IAC stood up and created something for them. Same token is, you know, with, with the growth and leadership for women program. There was a need. People wanted to have a leadership development program for women, and and ACTIX, uh stepped up and recreated that as well. So, those are. I mean, I have tons of memories. Some that can't be said on radio. So I will just hold those off. <laughs> you have been involved in so many of the groundbreaking things that ACTIAC has put into effect, and we're all the better for it. Leslie Berry, thank you for being on the show, and thank you for all that you do for ACTIAC. We're going to take a short break now, and when we return, we'll continue our overview of ACT-IAC and our celebration of ACT-IAC's 45th anniversary. I'm Dave Wenergren, and you're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network.
Welcome back. You're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. I'm Dave Wendergren, and on today's episode, we're talking with some of the outstanding professional staff leaders at ACT-IAC about the ongoing work of the organization, and also reflecting on our 45th anniversary and the celebration that will be taking place throughout the year ahead. In achieving ACT-IAC's mission, our most important strength remains the thousands of active volunteers from both government and our almost 500 member companies who contribute their time, energy, and thought leadership to this important work. ACT-IAC was founded on the fundamental principle that a more diverse set of views, experience, and opinions enhances the mission of government and strengthens us as a nation. And building on 45 years of meaningful impact, we now look forward to our 50th anniversary with a new strategic plan. Our vision is strong, pursuing better government for all, and our mission is clear, accelerating government mission outcomes through collaboration, leadership, and education. Our new strategic plan focuses on four major areas, anticipate the future, reimagining the way we deliver services and programs with a focus on emerging trends and innovation, expand engagement and diversify participation, attracting and recruiting new members and partners that fuel a diverse ecosystem of people and ideas, optimize operational excellence, continue investing in our world-class association, and dramatically improving brand awareness and our value proposition inside and outside of the community. Joining me for our last segment today is Jim Cook, longtime technology leader in the government market and currently the strategy and engagement executive at ACT-IAC and chair of ACT-IAC's Institute for Innovation. Jim, welcome back to the show. Thanks again, Dave. Thanks for having me back. I know we've been on the show a couple of times before, but for the sake of those that are listening for the first time, why don't we ask you to do the same thing we've asked our other guests to do. Tell us a little bit about your background. And for you, I'd also say, like, tell us a little bit about the other current engagements that you're working on. Okay, great. Thanks, Dave. Uh, Yeah, so, um, well, I've been in the industry about 40 years. And so rather than than take that in detail, I'll just sort of break it down. The first seven or eight years I spent actually running programs for the government. I didn't work for the government, but I was a contractor. But we were running government programs cradle to grave. Um, so that gave me a really good, deep um, background in operate in the operational side of things. The next uh, 12 years or so, I spent consulting with the government uh, on how to use technology in the context of those programs. And in the last 18 and a half years or so, I spent it um, more on the research side. I was with uh, MITRE. Uh, I spent a good chunk of that 18 and a half years leading a federally funded research and development center focused on enterprise modernization. Uh, and in the last five years, I worked uh, w- developing uh, cross-sector partnerships, government, uh, doing government relations, working in the policy space, and also uh, having some focus on technology transfer. So a pretty, uh, pretty diverse set of things, but Gave me a good a good background in everything from operational to the strategic uh, issues that government has to tackle in order to execute their missions. Very good. And now I know that in addition to all the great work that you do for ACTAC, you have some other adventures you're working on, too. Are there any of those that you want to shout out? Uh, sure. Yes. I retired from MITRE uh, last March and uh, broke out on my own. I'm grateful to have the opportunity to continue working with you and the ACTAC team because I've been working with ACT-IAC in various capacities for almost the last 30 years. So it's great to, it's, it's, it's really a home for me. But I also have an opportunity to work with a couple of companies that are ACT-IAC members or IAC members. 
and um, in some of the work that they're doing with many of our uh, federal partners. Uh, and also working with another nonprofit uh, in the region that's really focused on um, uh, creating or consolidating a lot of the work that we do in this region around quantum. And I'm helping them stand up a policy and ethics and standard center uh, focused on quantum. So again, another cross-sector activity. And that's kind of a common theme with me is I really enjoy being at kind of the nexus of government industry and academia and trying to work in roles that bring them all together to benefit the public interest. You are smack dab in all the hot topics of the moment, that's for sure. And in one of those roles, you're the chair of the ACDIAC Institute for Innovation. Maybe you can share with the audience a little bit about some of the new offerings and engagement opportunities that the Institute will be focused on in the year ahead. So, yes, I think I'm really excited about this. The Institute's been around for about 12 years, and I was fortunate to be a founding member of the Institute. And I've really been grateful to have the opportunity to chair the Institute the last five years. Uh, but um, in looking back at our past and in recognition of the new strategy that uh, that we were putting in place for ACT-IAC, we took that as an opportunity to revisit the role that the Institute was playing, the value that it was creating, and essentially reimagined the Institute. So we're going through a relaunch. Um, we have a new strategy, three-year strategy in place for the Institute, really trying to broaden and expand what we focus on. Um, we've done historically a lot of good work in convening and bringing innovators together uh, to recognize their work, whether it's through the in in Innovation Awards or, or through other forms and venues that we created. But we really want to spend a lot more time doing innovation as opposed to just talking about innovation. And so in the strategy that we've put together, you'll see, I think, a more diverse focus for the Institute. Uh, first and foremost, we're going to double down on the convenings, and I think there's always going to be a need and an opportunity to connect innovators with um, agencies and, and other leaders in the private sector that they can partner with. And so we'll be launching a new series of events called Meet the Innovator, which is going to be a series of forums where we're going to highlight the innovative work and solutions of different uh, parties could be academic researchers, can be uh, industry partners or government partners, um, and and create an opportunity for them to share their success patterns. What did they do? How did they do it? What is their solutions all about? And so uh, we hope to build that bridge between the innovators and those who can take advantage of their innovation. Um, we're going to be uh, kind of along the same lines. Uh, focusing more on uh, hosting challenges. And we'll be working initially with Treasury's fiscal services to host a cha challenge around data targeted at minority-serving institutions to really engage them more uh, with government and, and, and use our challenge uh, model to do that. We'll be launching a new forum on research and development. This is yet another way of uh, building that bridge between early-stage research and those that really want to take advantage of the research, both in government and industry. And we're hoping to create an opportunity for our government partners to bring their learning agendas to the table to really help inform early stage research so that it is uh, grounded and practical and really focused on the, the challenges that matter to government. Um, we're also going to be doing some more work around policy, not in an advocacy sense, 
but because policy is an important uh, 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 plays an important role in the innovation life cycle. Uh, it can be both uh, a uh, barrier as well as an enabler. And I think many of us feel that um, that developing innovation friendly policy is really a good way to accelerate our government partners' abilities to take advantage of innovation uh, as opposed to uh, policies that are um, not reflective or not recognizing the rea- you know what we're really trying to do with some of these new solutions that were uh, that, and new models that uh, that are coming up. And then the last thing is applying innovation uh, uh, processes and innovation thinking to the management professions in government, focusing initially on acquisition and human capital. We do a lot to focus on the processes, but we haven't spent as much time thinking about how to innovate and um, uh, and and modernize, if you will, the professions around acquisition and and human capital management. So pretty diverse agenda, a lot of new events that we'll be creating, a lot of new opportunities for people to participate. And in all cases, when we launch a new project, we'll be making a call for volunteers out to the community. So I encourage people to respond uh, and, and volunteer to participate. Jim, we've got about 30 seconds left, but another good news program that you're intimately involved with is the annual Innovations Award program. And nomination period is open. Do you want to do a quick plug for the Innovation Award program? Yes. Um, not only will we be recognizing the top innovation, uh, uh, innovative ideas or projects at the Emerging Tech and Innovation Conference, but we also want to be we also want to use the nominations as sources or candidates to feature at our Meet the Innovator series. So this is not a one and done. Uh, if you nominate something. Uh, we will find ways to highlight it, reference it, and feature it in one of our events. So as Dave said, the period uh, closes March 8th. I encourage everybody to nominate yourself, nominate a friend, whether that innovation, innovative project is in government or in industry or a partnership that you're working with academia. Uh, please get those nominations in. We always look forward to the judging process. It's difficult. It's challenging. But um, uh, we want to highlight the good work that everybody's doing. Jim Cook, thank you so much for your leadership in the community and for all that you do for ACT IAC. There are plenty of events coming up that you can plug into. On Thursday, February 22nd, we'll be holding our annual Digital Transformation Summit in Reston, Virginia. Our Small Business Alliance is kicking off 2024 with a matchmaking event on Thursday, February 29th in Washington, D.C. that will foster on interaction and knowledge sharing between small businesses, government officials, industry experts, and large businesses. There's also time, as Jim said, to submit your nomination for the 2024 ACT-IAC Innovation Awards. Nominations will be accepted through March 8th, and award winners will be recognized at the ACT-IAC Emerging Technology and Innovation Conference on May 19th through the 21st in Cambridge, Maryland. If any of these things interest you or you'd like to learn more about ACT-IAC, check out the Federal News Network website or go to our website, www.actiac.org. Our hope is that you heard something today that will inspire you to get engaged and help pick up a brush and paint an even brighter future for our government and our nation. I'm Dave Wenergren, and you've been listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. Thanks for listening to Accelerating Government with ACT-IAC. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime in your podcast feed. 
Search for Accelerating Government on Podcast One, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts.